Hey, Interwed family, this is Pastor Rudy Rodriguez, Calvary City on the Hill in Provo, Utah. Just wanted to thank you all for listening and or watching via the World Wide Web and joining us in worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ or just seeking more information about God. If God puts it on your hearts, would you be willing to join us in partnering through giving to the ministry to bring the gospel to all the world by visiting our website? cityonahillut.org that's cityonahillut all one word dot org and clicking on the donate button any free will offering would be appreciated very much thank you so much God bless you and Lord willing we are there praise God well hallelujah it is great to be amongst the fellow believers it's wonderful to be here this morning um, we're so thankful for those of you who will join us online. We pray that um, you will be blessed today, that you've been blessed so far. And uh always like to, well, mention um, the way that we um, are do our giving. We don't plastic plate around. We don't do all that stuff. We have a giving box here in our facility. But we also have a way that you can help us um, by going to cityonahillut.org. And uh, visit us there, and hey, if you're, you're blessed by our services and what we can offer and joining us, then uh, you know you can always donate. We'd love, we would love your help um, to join us in partnership with that, to get the gospel out there. So, um, but uh, here we are in, uh, what is it, the third week, January, and um, it's been crazy so far. Um, all the things that are happening, all the things that are going on, all the potential things that may happen. And uh, and as, uh, as Carrie was saying earlier, we're not worried about it, right? We do have those moments when we struggle. Um, sometimes we can get overwhelmed. And if we, uh, you know, I, w- I would commend to you to not spend as much time on social media and things like that to help keep your mind at, at ease. But sometimes you get wrapped up and you start seeing things and, and uh, we're like... Uh, Hounds on a scent after that. and We want to dig in deeper. More and more, we get distracted. But ultimately, God is in control. Amen? He's uh, not only is he in control, he has decreed all things. Nothing comes to him as a surprise. And I'm so thankful for that. That he is um, the immutable God who's not going to change. Um, he was busy being God before there was any creation. He was busy being God and, and doing whatever God does long before there was any of us. Um, we weren't even a sparkle in our daddy's eye. And he was busy being God. And that's, that's, that's amazing because he's never changed. He's always been the same and he will always be the same and he's always been in control. Um, I like what uh, I agree with my, uh, our brother who's gone before us, R.C. Sproul, who said, if even one molecule is out of God's control, He's not God. Even one molecule. And I believe that. Everything is, He is aware of everything. You can't be omniscient and know what every single molecule at every min- single minute and second and millisecond and so on and so forth is doing. So praise God for that. We, we can rejoice in that. I loved what uh, Chris was saying earlier in the time of praise that uh, really what he was saying was uh, what we're told by the Apostle Paul and Peter to rejoice. And again, he said, rejoice. Rejoice in your tribulations. When hard things come, that's what we're to do. And that's what Chris was essentially saying. Those tribulations, those trials, those things that come against us, uh, they do drive us to our knees. Praise God. And it brings us closer to Him. It makes us more aware of uh, where God is working, it makes us more aware of the fact that we need to seek um, to see where He's working, and that's good. That's being drawn. That's seeking Him, and so that's you know praise God for that. That He works in such marvelous and mysterious ways. That uh, like, do I really have to go through hard times in order to get closer to God? Yeah, sometimes we do, because we're fallen, right? We're fallen creatures. We like when things are really good. We like when we have plenty. We like when there's no problems. We like that. We think that's peace. 
But what true peace is, uh, is and what God gives us is in the midst of trials and tribulations, He gives us strength, He gives us courage, and He gives us peace, true peace. That's what the real peace is. When things are tough, He gives us peace. And that's what the good thing is. We're here in uh, Isaiah chapter 13. We're going to try to get through as much of this as possible. We only got to verse 8 last week. Um, and we're going to try to get as far as we can. Um, and in this, remember, this is an instance where God has, as we know through the first 12 chapters, pretty much, God has called out His people. God has been angry with His people. You know, I mean, I'm reading in my personal time, I'm reading through the book of Jeremiah again, and, and one of the things that is astounding is God in great detail through the, through the prophets. He, he, he describes what they're guilty of. And, it, and it's horrific. It really is. Um, the idea that, I mean, it's like this morning you would have been uh, worshiping false gods and idols and offering sacrifices and doing all kinds of things. And, and uh, as he says, you're, you know, in the Valley of Hinnom, you're, you're bringing your children, your, your boys and your girls, your baby girls and baby boys, and you're burning them alive. And then you're coming to worship me the same day. I mean, it's, it's, it's indescribable, the, 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 the horrific um, idolatry and, and adulteries that were going on. And God describes them in great t- detail. So he's called the people of Babylon to be a judgment against them, a, a rod of iron. And I love where we're at, where God then tells his people, the, the Babylonians are, are, are going to come. And when they do come, they're going to be what? They're going to be speedy. They're going to be swift. It's going to come on them like a wave. It's like a tsunami that all of a sudden is there. You can't do anything about it. But I love where we're at, where God reminds His people, His remnant, those who are His, He says they won't get away with it. You see, because God uses everything. He wastes absolutely nothing, and He leaves nothing to chance. And He's going to use the Babylonians. He uses the Babylonians as what's called the Great Diaspora. It's where the people of Israel are scattered all over the world. And that's what the Babylonians would do. They would conquer a people and then they would take the choice people. Remember when we were going through the book of Deuteronomy several years ago and uh, uh, where in in one of the passages we talked about Daniel um, and those who were brought. Where were they brought to? They were brought to Babylon. And what did they do when they were there? They took these choice the best of the best. Um, <clears throat> they took the, uh, you know, the, the top scholars, the top thinkers, the, the, the best of the best, the most physically able, and so on and so forth. And what did, what did the Babylonians do? They, they tried to change their name. First, give them a new identity. And Daniel would have none of it. Nor would the, uh, um, the other ones that we, we know of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, <clears throat> So the Babylonians were going to be used, but they overstepped their bounds. They did more than what God had called them to do. And for that, even though they were the instrument of judgment because of the failure of Israel, the, fail, the failure of, of His people, the failure to worship the one true God, even though He was going to use the Babylon as an as a instrument of, of justice for those people, because God is just, there has to be a price that's paid for, for rebellion, sin, right? And he uses the Babylonians, um, but he says the Babylonians aren't going to not suffer. What they're doing is they're going beyond what God has called them to do. And, he, and remember that God, being God, being omniscient, as the Bible says, he knows the numbers of our, the hair of our, or head. We don't even know that. We don't know the numbers of hairs on our head. He does. Of every single one of them. That's crazy. That's, that's smoke in my brain. I don't get that. And even more so, it says that he knows the intents of the heart, the thoughts, even before we speak. That's, that's mind-blowing. That, that's the kind of God that we have. And he knows the intents of the heart, 
of the Babylonians. He knows the, the hatred and the, the vitriol and all the other stuff that, that uh, they built up against the people of Israel. And so God is saying to his people, they are the instrument of judge, justice and judgment, but even they will be judged. Hallelujah. That's good news. They're not going to get away with it. With all the evils and the things that they thought that they were going to get away with. And that's what wicked people do. That's what uh, 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 unrepentant sinners, pagans and haters of God do. They think that because there's, they're, they're, uh, um, they're, they're seemingly nothing to pay in this reality, in this moment in time. They think that they're going to get away with it. In a way that is... Uh, um, <clears throat> Okay, it's confession time. And this is the way my mind thinks sometimes. In a way, to me, that's comforting. Because we know that they're not going to get away. And it's hard sometimes to reconcile, right? We know that they're not going to get away with it. They think that they are, and they, 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 they smugly and arrogantly um, try to lord it over us. We all ultimately know one day they're going to stand accountable to God singularly, each person. And their lies aren't going to help. Their deceptions are going to be of no use. They're going to be splayed wide open before God. He's going to hold them accountable. And that's what this, this, uh, um, that's what this, chapters about. He's, he's going to make Babylon pay for their wickedness. I mean, remember the story that's in Genesis 15 um, where God encounters Abraham and puts him in a deep sleep. And he tells him before he does that, he says, look, um, you're going to, in 400 years, your people are going to go to the land that I'm telling you about. But the time, the sin of the Amorites isn't full yet. You see, God knows. He's aware. He's aware of those things that people think that they're going to get away with. Usurpers of countries and peoples. Tyrants and despots. Um, illegitimate governments and all these things. They think that they get away with it. But I praise God that one day, they will stand accountable to God. They will not get away with it. They will not be able to de deceive. They will not be able to lie. They will be held accountable. And even in the, in the Psalms, we see those kind of prayers where David, David says, Lord, those who are speaking evil against me, those who are, who are seeking me for no reason, let them in the time of judgment, let them be found guilty of their wickedness. Let them be found guilty of their sin. He prays such a prayer. Because we know that in that day, and this is, this is maybe kind of disturbing to, to some, is the fact that when God does that, and one day when they're held accountable, when we know those who, who uh, um, I've seen videos on, on Facebook and on uh, other sites that say that they don't allow violence. And yet I've seen people gleefully, women in particular, which is sad. Rejoicing in the fact that they can murder their babies. What about that violence? Oh, well, that's not violence, you see. That's, that, that, that meets our community standards. Well, that's okay. But if you speak about true justice in, in those things, then it's not okay. There's a double standard. And we're having to deal with that. Here God is telling us, and here, here's the thing, when they do get judged, if we are in Christ, we will rejoice at their judgment. That seemed foreign to us. Like, I thought we were supposed to be nice, nice guys. No, we're going to rejoice. Why? Because God is good. Amen? Because God is holy. Because God is righteous, right? Amen? And when He judges, all we're doing is acknowledging, holy are you, O Lord our God. To hold them accountable. For their wickedness. Our sins have been forgiven. Our sins have been dealt with. Hallelujah. Praise God. Our sins have been removed. 
We've been judged. Jesus said it himself. If you believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God, you've been judged. But those who do not believe, who will not believe, they stand condemned already. See, we've been judged. And we've been judged what? Forgiven. Hallelujah. Forgiven. And so what God is reminding His people here is there is justice. And sometimes it seems like it escapes us. Sometimes we don't get to savor it on this side. Sometimes we don't get to see it. We see the wickedness that is going on in the world and we, we, we cringe and we, we, um, sometimes we get all upset and we get all uh, discombobulated because it seems like, and, and I found myself this week several times, Lord, why does it seem like they just keep getting away with stuff? Why does it seem like they keep getting away with stuff? It's frustrating. And I know that they don't ultimately, but, but why do you allow it? It's so hard sometimes. But God is saying, no, I will hold them accountable. There will be. And um, so I want to begin here in, in uh, uh, where we left off in, in verse 8. We'll read through it real quick. And then we'll just read some of God's word here. So join with me, if you will, starting in verse 8 of chapter 13 of Isaiah. And it says this, and they will be terrified. He's talking about the Babylonians. Remember, the Babylonians are in focus here. And he's going to use another instrument of justice. Another rod of iron, if you will. Another people to judge the Babylonians. And he says, they will be terrified when this happens. Pains and anguish will take hold of them. They will writhe. Like a woman in labor, they will look at one another in astonishment, their faces aflame. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming. And this is what I want you to understand as we go through the rest of Isaiah. When we're talking about the day of the Lord, listen to what he says immediately thereafter. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel, with fury and burning anger. Those are some scary words from the Holy God. They're terrifying. Listen to them again. His day is coming, the day of the Lord. And it's always in, the, in here where we're talking about in Isaiah, it's generally in the, um, in the focus is judgment. When it says the day of the Lord. And it says it's cruel with fury and burning anger. Um, we have a, a, a statement that we use, uh, the military uses sometimes. And they say when you target this enemy, when you target this enemy's stronghold, do so with extreme prejudice. In other words, don't hold back. Go all out. Justice needs to be done. This is the idea here. Um, cruel and fur with fury and burning anger. To make the land a desolation. And he will exterminate its sinners from it. You see, there's going to be judgment. He's going to exterminate. We all know what an exterminator is. We see their trucks all over the place. They're, they come and they spray to, to kill insects and other rodents and things that sometimes cause us harm. In other words, he's going to wipe them out. He's going to exterminate its sinners. This is God calling them out. This is from the point of view of God. He says He will exterminate its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash forth their light. Their sun will be dark when it rises. The moon will not shed its light. Thus, I will punish the world for its evil. Praise God. Praise God. They won't get away with it. Ultimately, that's the message. The world and its evil will be judged. Thus, I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. You see, they won't get away with it. I will also put an end to the arrogance of the proud and abase the haughtiness of the, truth, of the ruthless. I will make mortal men scarcer than pure gold and mankind than the gold of Ophir. Therefore, I shall make the heavens tremble and the earth will be shaken from its place and the fury of the Lord of hosts in the day of his burning anger 
Those are some terrifying words. Remember the Lord of hosts, Yahweh of armies. It's a military type. And when a military comes with in full anger, that's a terrifying thing to have to face. And he says that, that it, at the fury of the Lord of hosts in the day of his burning anger, and it will be that like a hunted gazelle or like sheep with none to gather them, they will each turn to his own people and each one flee to his own land. Anyone who is found will be thrust through. Anyone who is captured will fall by the sword. This is death and mayhem. This is what armies are trained to do. Kill and break stuff. That's what's going to happen. That's what's coming to them, to the people of Babylon. Anyone who is, who is found will be thrust through. Anyone who is captured will fall by the sword. Listen, their little ones also will be dashed to pieces. That will break the mother having to watch their children being dashed. Imagine. And what about the dads? What about the husbands? Well, he says, the little ones are going to be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses will be plundered. Their wives ravished. Horrible judgment. Terrible judgment. That's what the Babylonians will have to pay. The enemies of God. Even though He used them. They will be held accountable. And He says in verse 17, Behold, I am going to stir up the Medes against them. Now He names this particular people. And that's who He's going to use. Who will not value silver. Take pleasure in gold. They don't care about that. That's a dangerous group of people to be up against when they don't care about riches. When they're only bent on one thing. Scary thing. Who will not value silver or take pleasure in gold. And their bows will mow down the young men. They will not even have compassion on the fruit of the woman. And unfortunately, we're in a situation in our world today, in our country, where this is the attitude of a lot of people. There's no compassion for the fruit of the womb. Nor will their eye pity children. And Babylon, the beauty of kingdoms, and the glory of the Chaldeans, pride, will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. That's pretty horrific. It will never be inhabited or lived in from generation to generation. Nor will the Arab pitch his tent there. Nor will shepherds make their flocks uh, lie down there. But desert creatures will lie down there. And their houses will be full of owls. Ostriches also will live there. Shaggy goats will frolic there. And hyenas will howl in their fortified towers. And jackals in their luxurious palaces. Her fateful time also will soon come. And her days will not be prolonged. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for your mercies, for your kindnesses. Which are new every morning. Lord, I pray this morning, Father, that you would help us remember. That you are the judge of all the earth. And that you will judge. You will judge wickedness. You will judge unrepentant sinners. You will judge the reprobate mind. And the abominable acts that they participate in. You will judge those who have uh, no compassion on the fruit of the womb. You will judge. You are the judge of the, the entire earth. It is all yours. And you are aware of every single thought. And every intent of the heart. But oh, how we thank you. Oh, how we praise you and bless you. For you have provided for such as us a Savior. Your very Son, your only Son whom you love. Who would come into the world in order to save his people from their sins. Thank you, Lord, for providing that which we could never provide. 
that which we could never do. Thank you for doing what only you, our God, our loving God, our merciful God, our compassionate God, our kind and loving God, only you can do. We thank you for that great sacrifice. We thank you for the price that you were willing to pay, Lord Jesus, on that cross, despising the shame. We thank you for the judgment that is to come for those who will not bow the knee in this time, in this reality, in our um, temporal time. But they will bow, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, and that you have provided for us a Savior, a King, a Redeemer, a Forgiver of our sins. And his name is Jesus. And it was paid there on the cross. And he was buried. And he rose again on the third day, all according to Scripture, that we may know that our God is true. And that we may know our Creator and King, our Sustainer and Provider. Thank you for that reconciliation that can only be found in Jesus alone. For it's in his holy, blessed, glorious, powerful, mighty name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so the comparison of the woman in, uh, in labor in, uh, in verse 8, it's often used in the Bible for intense pain and suffering. And it's immediate. And it's something that can't be turned back once it is there. Once it's time to give birth, you, you can't fight it. That baby's going to come, right? You can't do anything about it. And there's pain involved in it, but the other side of it is glory. <clears throat> but he says here that that's, that's what's going to happen, this judgment that's going to come. It's going to come instantaneously almost. And there's not going to be any other sign. All of a sudden, it's just going to be there. And he's warned them, and he's told them ahead of time. And so this, this woman in labor is not just an Old Testament thing, it's a New Testament thing as well. You can find it in Romans 8.22. And in verse 10 through 12, one of the things to keep in mind as we read these passages here, it says, for the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash forth their light. The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will not shed its light. Thus I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. One of the things that we need to keep in mind is the Israelites had turned from God who created the heavens and the earth, who created the sun and the moon and the stars. They turned from the creator of all these things in order to worship the sun, the moon, the stars, the heavens. They joined in in the abominable practices of the people of that surrounding area. The people who they were supposed to dispel and be rid of. They joined in the practices of that. When we read these things, that's God saying, those things that you're worshiping, those false idols, those things that you look to for hope, those things that you look to to answer your prayers and to help you in the time of need, they're not going to give their life. They won't rise. It's going to be like they don't exist. That's what this is talking about. That's what this judgment is. Because you turn to those things instead of the one who made them, they won't even give their life. Now, it is, uh, then he says, Thus I will punish the world for its evil. It is evil to worship God. And I'm going to say this, and it's controversial. It is, it is evil. It is wicked, it is abominable to try to offer worship to the one true living God apart from Christ. He's the only way through whom we must worship the living God. And there is no other way. There is no other way. That is the only way that God accepts worship 
is through Jesus Christ, His Son. And there is no other way. Um, there was a, 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 a meme that I, that I came across, and it was something that was spoken, and I can't remember who, who said it. Um, but he said, uh, the, the person that, that, that is quoted, essentially said, you know, men, fallen men, sinful men, fancy themselves that when they hear about hell, they think themselves be able to escape it. But it's folly. They will not in the day of judgment. Yeah. That is, that is, the, that is what, what is true. And then when people think about, when you talk about hell and you preach about hell, the, 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 the mindset of the, of the fallen, the reprobate mind, the pagan, the ungodly, the rebellion, the rebellious. And I know because I was one. Says stupid things like, oh, well, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just go and party in hell forever with my friends. The foolishness. The nonsense, the stupidity that is built into that. God says, no, I will punish. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will also put an end to the arrogance of the proud. Those who think themselves above the law. Those who live with the double standard. Those who cannot see the hypocrisy of everything that they say. Because they're so lost in the proud and arrogance of their own hearts and their own power and the lusts thereof. These megalomaniacs. He says, and he will abase the haughtiness of the ruthless. And I'm thankful for these words. Thankful. I think about, I think about Vladimir Lenin. I think about Joseph Stalin. I think about Mao Zedong. I think about Pol Pot. I think about all these, I think about Maduro, and I think about um, the Hugo Chavez before him. I think about all these despots, the Hitlers, the ones that I don't even know of, the tyrants throughout history. They will stand before God in judgment. They will stand before God in judgment. Their haughtiness, their arrogance, their ruthlessness will be judged. Just in those Names that I've named. You are talking about hundreds of millions of people that were murdered under their regimes. They will be held accountable. God says, I will punish the world for its evil. The wicked for their iniquity. I will also put an end to the arrogance of the proud and abase the haughtiness of the ruthless. I will make mortal men scarcer than pure gold and mankind than the gold of all. <clears throat> Is this just hyperbola? Some of it, I think he uses it in order to make the point like the darkening of the stars, the shaking of the heavens. One day we will have a new heaven and a new earth. But before that takes place, Peter says that everything's going to be burnt up with flaming fire. A heat so intense that it's going to burn even the elements. In that day of judgment. It's going to purify. And God's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. It's going to be different. It's not recycling the old one from what I can tell. He says it's a new heaven. It's a new earth. He's going to do it again. y'all. Hallelujah. And guess what's going to be missing from that? No sin. No sin. Only the redeemed will be there. Amen? That's an awesome thing. Here's, here's the other thing that's going to be missing. No sin. No sin. That temptation that you struggle with, that, that uh, 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 thing that, that has plagued you forever, won't be there anymore. The former things will be forgotten. Hallelujah. It's going to be a new and awesome place. God says, I'm going to deal with that. Sometimes he uses this hyperbolic speech in order to uh, emphasize and to get people to understand it's going to happen. You need a lot of fire underneath you. 
And that's what sometimes God does. Uh, he uses that um, to, to, to give it more emphasis and importance, to make the, the point. Um, but it is possible that he's talking quite literally in that time. So there's always that possibility. Um, so the ancients, uh, including the, the uh, Israelites, found themselves, they would worship these heavenly bodies. But Scripture teaches that God is the creator of them all. Darkness symbolizes judgment. It's uh, Remember what it says in, in Isaiah and what uh, uh, Matthew acknowledged in his writing. People who walk in darkness, who walk, walk around in darkness, will see a great light. Um, that's the idea. The darkness speaks of that judgment. The imagery is also used for the final destruction of the world. In Isaiah chapter 29, 20, God says this about the ruthless. He says, for the ruthless will come to an end. The scorner will be finished. Indeed, all who are intent on doing evil will be cut off. Hallelujah. <laughs> those who run to evil, those who lay in their beds and, and, and uh, uh, dream up schemes of doing more evil and wickedness. It's going to come to an end. It's going to be cut off. Hallelujah. That's an awesome thing. And going on, it says the, the, the scoffer, the one who, who uh, um, denies God, the, this designation is common in wisdom literature. It means a hardened, a cynical person. The reprobate. The one who will not come to God. The one who cannot come to God. Because he doesn't have it within himself to do it. That is the idea. They're going to be cut off. And they will be no more. Um, verse 13. Therefore I will make the heavens tremble. And the earth will be shaken from its place. That would be pretty terrifying. Remember last year. Um, I think it was about this time. Pretty early on in the year. You know, and I was pretty close to the to the epicenter of the earthquake. A lot of people have forgotten all about that already. I haven't. Unfortunately, my ears are attuned. When I hear a rumble, I'm going like, oh man, here it comes. And sometimes it's just these stupid jet planes. And there used to be so many of them that didn't notice them. Now there, there's a lot less of them, so you notice them. And sometimes they come in real close. And I'm listening, I'm like, is, is that one of them rumbles? Oh man, am I going to start shaking here? I better get ready. Um, I mean, that's a terrifying thing. The, the heavens and the earth will be shaken. That's, that's a pretty scary thing. And God's big enough to shake it. He's big enough to do it. Um, so, he says, Therefore I will make the heavens tremble, and the earth will be shaken from its place. And that is a terrifying thing, having gone through. Um, I've been through at least five earthquakes from my, in Idaho when I was younger and the one that happened last year there was three three big ones that I mean I'm sitting in a recliner and I felt like I was on a roller coaster it was rocking it, it's pretty it's pretty unnerving because you have no control there's nothing you can do I'm waiting for the you know gas line to snap and things to explode and the house crumble down on me and that's the idea here Heavens will tremble. The earth's going to shake from its place. You've got no control over it. It says, And the fury of the Lord of hosts in the day of His burning anger. And that's what He's going to do in the burning of His anger. God hates sin. I'm going to say something real controversial too. The Bible also says that God hates sin. It does. It does say God hates sin. Who will not bend the knee. Who will not do what is right. For arrogance. That may strike you and go and have a visceral reaction like, you can't say that about God. Well, it says it in His Word, so I have to say it. And that's why the fury of His, of his anger, the burning of His anger, that's a pretty, you know, pretty strong language that He's using. He's not holding back. In other words, um, he's going to come through and he's going to do it. These expressions of the heavens and the earth being shaken, these expressions depict the coming of God in judgment against his creation. Remember what we're shown in, in, in uh, um, Revelation. 
When Jesus comes on his horse, on his mighty steed, and that he's going to deal with his enemy with the sword of his mouth. And it also says that in one place, that 1,500 stadia, there's going to be bloodshed. And it's going to be up to the horse. I mean, it's, it's figurative language, but it's, that's the idea. It's going to be horrific in the burning of his anger. He's going to deal with his enemies. That is what we're to understand. Um, it symbolizes also the shaking of the world, symbolizes the overthrow of all that the unbeliever exalts as rivals to God. All the world system, the spirit of the age, the usurpers, everybody that thinks that they're getting away with something, they're going to have to deal with judgment. God will use them. God will use them. He wastes absolutely nothing. And like I said last week, as a nation, do we deserve to be judged? Absolutely. Absolutely. As a nation, we do. We have so many sins, I can't even list them all. So many. But let's pray that God would work in the hearts of His people and the people of this nation to, to be convicted of that sin. To realize it. The Holy Spirit would do what only He can do to convict us of that sin and to make us turn and turn to Him and cry out to Him in repentance. Um, the king of Babylon is described as one who made the earth tremble as well. He was, in fact, um, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was called the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Interesting. He's saying, I'm going to judge that, that nation. Continuing on, verse 14, and it will be like, uh, it will be that like a hunted gazelle or like a sheep with none to gather. They will each turn to his own people, and each one will flee to his own land. The attractiveness of Babylon will become a phantom when people realize how short-lived human kingdoms are. Remember that Babylon, when they'd conquer people, they would take certain groups, the best of the best, and they would take them back to Babylon. They would change their identity. They would make them essentially uh, believe in what the Babylonians believed. They would try to, to re-imagine um, them, if you will. And so there were people, they were a, a, a nation and a, and a people that were made up of many nations. And in this time, those people are going to want to go back because they're going to see there is, there's nothing in Babylon to judge. And they're going to have nothing to turn to except only thing I can do is try to go back to where I came from. That's the idea here. There's going to be nothing left like a gazelle that's hunted, like a sheep. And if sheep don't have a shepherd, they're in sorry state. They need a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. Right? Or they'll die. They do stupid stuff. I know. I'm one of them. I'm guilty. Right? That's the idea here. They run a turn, and the only thing they can do is turn to the old people. But he's not finished. He says, anyone who is found, who doesn't escape, will be thrust through. That's the idea of the spear. They're going to come on their horses, and anyone that's found, boom. They're not even going to ask any questions. They're just going to run them through. And not only that, that's not all. Anyone who's captured will fall by the sword. That's probably more than likely decapitation. This is horrific. God will judge even the instruments that He uses for judgment. And the one thing that we have to embrace and the one thing that we have to understand is it's God's right to be able to do that. It's His absolute right as the absolute sovereign of the universe. It is His absolute right. And no one can bring an accusation against Almighty God. I love it when the, uh, when the uh, anti-theist, I don't love it, it kind of angers me to be honest with you. When this puffed up dirt 
wants to bring accusations against God. How could God be a holy God if? It's like, sit down and shut up. You puffed up dirt. Will you actually talk to God that way? You're nothing but puffed up dirt. If he wanted to take your breath away, he'd do it in a second. And you'd find yourself in hell. God will deal with that arrogance. He's going to deal with this evil. He's going to deal with that. Um, it says anyone who is found will be thrust through. Anyone who is captured will fall by the sword. And then it comes to those that horrible picture that he, he speaks. The little ones also will be dashed. That is just a horrible picture. That is a heartless people. That is a people who, who don't have... I mean, when we see kids and we see them get hurt, every single one of us, for the most part, want to help that child. We hate to see children hurt. We hate the idea of children being hurt. And yet, he says, they're not going to care. They're going to dash into pieces. It's horrific. It's horrible. Before their eyes, they're not even going to hide it. They're going to make sure that they do it in front of them. That's the idea. Um, before their eyes, their houses will be plundered and their wives will be ravaged. That was part of what they would do. And they would generally do it in the presence of their husbands. I mean, it's horrific. That's how, you know, when it comes to God's judgment, hey, God don't play. He's serious. But He will deal with it. And that's what we need to take away from this is that God will deal with those who uh, um, overstep their bounds. Um, verse 16, he says the, uh, the little ones will be uh, dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses will be plundered and their wives will be ravished. Um, verse 17 and 18, behold, I am going to stir up the Medes against them who will not value silver and take pleasure in gold. And their bows will mow down the young men. They will not even have compassion on the fruit of the womb. That's even going a step further than dashing the children on the rocks. Nor will their I pity children. That's the people that God's going to use. They, they were inhabitants of, of the Zagros Mountains, um, east of Babylon and Assyria. They were never subjugated by Assyria and joined Babylon in the conquest of Assyria, and that was uh, between 612 and 609 BC. And these people are they're historic. Um, we read about the Medo Persian. Empire and Daniel. Um, in another place, it's reversed. It's the Persian Medan um, empires. Uh, and and their people, that, that the actual people that God's going to use, He's calling them from all over the place. And remember, the judgment speaks of God's universality. We talked a little bit about that last week. That God is in control of everything and He has the right to do as He pleases. And so He uses Everyone, everywhere, for his purpose. Um, I know this is heavy, and I'm and I'm sorry, but this is this is just what we got to deal with. And remember, this is not against Israel; this is against Babylon. Um, verse nineteen: the Babylonians and Babylon, the beauty of kingdoms, the glory of the Chaldeans' pride, will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. That was instantaneous. Remember, they didn't know what was coming. I would commend to you to go back and read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And read about the arrogance and the pride of the people. The depths of depravity that they had sunk. God says, the cry, the outcry has come to me. It's come to my ears. And I'm going to judge this people. And he judges these cities. And it's instantaneous. They're wiped out. Just like that. He said, that's how it's going to be. It's going to come instantaneously. It's going to be like when he overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and caused them to be judged for their um, abomination with extreme prejudice. Verse 20, it will, not, it will never be inhabited or lived in from generation to generation, nor will the Arab pitch his tent there, nor will shepherds make their flocks lie down there. In other words, it's going to be uninhabitable. 
That's the extent to which this judgment is going to be. And only animals are going to live there for a while. And that's the way that, that he's going to leave that place. Um, <clears throat> this measure of God's judgment on human pride, Babylon was finally laid waste as described. It had not happened yet, but he's saying ahead of time. It's almost like God is warning those who will listen. Those who have ears to hear. Those who have eyes to see. Those who have a mind to understand. Those who have a heart to, to, to uh, um, uh, get what he's talking about. And, and I love that about God. He gives warnings. He warns us. He doesn't leave us without warnings. He warns us ahead of time of that which is coming. And he says finally in verse 21 and 22, but desert creatures will lie down there and their houses will be full of owls, an unclean bird. Ostriches, unclean, will live there. Shaggy goats will frolic there. Hyenas are unclean, will howl in their fortified towers. Jackals in the luxurious palaces. All the stuff that they built, all the stuff that was glorious, all the stuff, just going to be for animals. It's going to be a zoo. It's going to be left. Going to be a zoo. And the jackals in the luxurious palaces, her fateful time also will soon come, and her days will not be prolonged. God, when He deals with nations, and He's done it in the past, and we've seen it over and over and over again, there's peoples that don't exist anymore. There's nations that don't exist anymore. There's powers that used to have powers. And, you know, like the New Testament tells us, that we're we're praying and we're, we're fighting against not flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and, and authorities and, and the dark forces in the air, in the heavens. That's what we're fighting against. When we go to God, that's what we're, that's what we're crying out against those powers and principalities and authorities and dark forces in the air. We're casting down those things that set themselves up against the knowledge of God, those strong fortresses. We're casting them down. Um, as I said last week in, in Romans, you know, how does, a, how does a Christian take all this information in and deal with it? Well, remember that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the first thing. You're in Christ Jesus, no condemnation. Hallelujah. Praise God. Right? He says, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. That's glorious. For that I say thank you. To those who say, well, that's just cheap grace. Like, you don't understand grace. You don't understand forgiveness. You don't understand the cross. And nor do you understand God. Because if you think that that's cheap grace, you don't know the price that was paid. And again, it goes back to the, how dare you puffed up there talk about God like his sacrifice. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. Praise God. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering of sin or for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. That sounds so contrary. It sounds so contrary to our nature. And he says, who do not walk, walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And that's what we're, we're given. That's what we're conforming to. To walk in the Spirit of Almighty God. To walk differently. To walk in the new life. To walk in the newness of life. That's what we're given. And that's what, how we're to approach this and think about it. In John... Chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. We all know what John 3.16 says. It's the most popular verse in the world. But they often forget 17 through 19. And this is what, God, what Jesus says. He says, For God did not send His Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Here's the good news, y'all. He who believes in Him is not judged. He who believes in Him is not judged. Because that judgment has taken place and it took place on the cross. He who believes in Him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already. Because He has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 
This is the judgment. That the light has come into the world. And men love darkness. Rather than light. For their deeds. Were evil. In Romans chapter 1 verses 18. We read about the consequences. Of this godlessness. And I know we've read it before. But it's important to keep this fresh in our mind. To help us understand and remember. What God has, has spoken through his word. He says uh, in verse 18, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. That same wrath, that same anger, that same burning anger. He says, It's revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. This last week I read about the um, Pope Francis. And he said of all people of all faith, he says, well, we just worship all the same God. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> Not true. It is absolutely false. The men who are unrighteous and godly who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. That's suppressing the truth. That's wanting and desiring for, for, being, uh, for wanting to be liked by men. That's desiring to please men rather than to please God. To say that. The Muslim doesn't worship the same God that we do. They deny what it is that we believe. The LDS worship a different God. This is just the way that it is. And God says He reveals from heaven His wrath. On all ungodliness and unrighteousness men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. No one can say that he's an atheist. According to this scripture. It's evident in them. We can call them anti-theists. That's different. That's someone who denies the existence of God. They know he exists. Every single one of us. Um. It says, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. Right? That's just the way that it is. From God's perspective, everybody knows Him. About Him, at least. But when we de they deny Him, and they uh, say that, and they come up with their dumb arguments, all they're trying to do is borrow from the Christian worldview. That's all they're doing. They're stealing from God. And you don't get into heaven by calling God a liar and stealing from Him. You don't. Get into heaven by repenting of your sin. Being convicted of your sin. And coming to God in faith. And asking God to forgive you. Receiving Christ as your sacrifice. And your prophet, priest, and king. That's how you come to, to heaven. He says, for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through, the, through what has been made so that they are without excuse. There is no person with an excuse. And maybe you're saying out there in, in the interweb, what about those people that have never heard about Jesus? Well, according to this, He's made it evident to them. He's made them know that there is a God. And He will reveal Himself to whomever He pleases. That's the truth of it. So they will be without excuse. Why? Because his eternal power, his invisible attributes, and his divine nature have been clearly seen and understood, being understood through that, uh, what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculation and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds, four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. What is the outcome of that? The very next verse. Therefore God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to their, that their bodies may be dishonored among them. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And worshipped and served the create the creature rather than the Creator, 
who is blessed forever. Amen. And Paul says this, and as, as Christians, this is what we're ultimately to remember. Paul says this in Romans 1, 16, 17, before he gets to 18. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And what is the gospel? The good news. It's that Jesus, the Son of God, died on that cross. and took our sin and became sin for us. And he died. He didn't just faint. He died. He gave up his life. He gave up his spirit. The last thing that he said. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Poof. Done. He was buried. But on the third day, he rose again. Yes. He defeated death. He defeated the grave. He defeated sin and the power thereof. That is what the gospel is. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of that gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the righteousness of God, for in it, excuse me, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, that the righteous man shall live by faith. And ultimately, that's how we have to receive it. If God is going to judge this nation, then so be it. Embrace it. We'll fight against it, I'm sure, somewhat. But we're to stay focused on the gospel. We're to stay focused on the power of God. We're to stay focused on the truth of His sovereignty. We're to stay focused on the power of forgiveness. Because in that forgiveness, that forgiveness that only Christ can offer through the cross, there's healing. There's healing. And there's reconciliation. And there's redemption. And there's rejoicing because we know that we're forgiven. And because we know that our Father who is in heaven loves us. That's what we're to focus on. Let the judgment come. We're deserving of it. Cry out to God. Don't get me wrong. Cry out to God that He might pass over, that He might give us a little more time, that He might give us time to repent. We need repentance. We need repentance in this country. We need, in this world, we need people to realize that we're guilty before Almighty God. And that we could cry out, Father, give us more time. Father, forgive us. We're guilty. And call them out. Call them out one by name, those sins. We may not represent everybody in the nation, but we can represent them because we are the church. That very uh, vessel that God uses between Himself and his people. It is the gospel that we're to remain steady and firm and to be to stand firm in, in that gospel, in that armor of God that he's given us. The full armor, not just partial, the whole thing, so that we can continue to go forward. God will do what he does, but he always has a remnant. The remnant are his people. And we're not judged because we have believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And that He is risen. Truly is risen. Christ is risen. Truly is risen. Christ has risen. Truly is risen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for your mercies. We thank you, Lord, that you are the Holy God. The Holy God who is creator of everything. And that you've revealed yourself as you would be known in your word, if we'll only believe it. Lord, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you for his sacrifice. Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you for the price that he was willing to pay. The indignity and the shame that he was willing to face down. And that he didn't turn away from it. That he took it on. That our sin was placed there and He became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. We thank You that He was buried and that He rose again on the third day. And that He is risen. And that truly He is risen. Because He is good. And He's perfect. 
And he was the perfect sacrifice. We thank you for the gospel which changes men's lives. Which changes the lives of your people. Which makes us new and renewed. And makes us to worship the living God. We thank you that you revealed yourself as you would be known in your scriptures. So that we may know you in truth and in spirit. Thank you for your Holy Spirit which fills us and leads us and guides us and illumines us and brings to us life, even abundant life. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace. Lord, for those who may be listening online and have never received you, that they would by faith. They would receive that sacrifice. They would receive forgiveness. They would receive redemption through the cross of Christ. And that they might come to know you. And join us in the family of God. Lord, we thank you for your word, which is true. And the things that are written therein, that we may know you. Thank you for all of these things and more. Thank you that you will judge wickedness. That you will judge sinners. That you will judge those who are unrepentant. And the reprobate in mind. Thank you. Thank you that you have promised. That you will return Lord Jesus. That you will come. Gather your bride. Hallelujah. And that you will deal with your enemies. And make your enemies your footstool. Thank you Lord. For all of these truths and more. For your goodness and your grace. Do what you do Lord. Through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' holy name we ask it. Amen.